Welcome back to the Eye on the Tigers podcast. I'm Dave Matter, St. Louis Post-Dispatch, stltoday.com, Mizzou beat writer. And as always, we're joined by St. Louis Post-Dispatch columnist Ben Fredrickson. We've got a game to talk about, at least a game to preview. Missouri's heading to Nashville this weekend to play the Vanderbilt Commodores. It's the battle for sixth place in the SEC East. These are the only two teams in the entire conference that still haven't won a league game. Uh, Vanderbilt's already played eight games, so they're, they are winding their season down. Um, Missouri is sitting there at three and four, 0 and three in the SEC. They've got some chances left to become bowl eligible. I don't think that happens unless they come home from Nashville with a victory. Last I checked, Tigers are favored by 16. They have not covered the spread yet this season. So uh, they will try to do it this week. I'd say um, if you're going to put your money on the Tigers this week, be very cautious. Uh, Vegas has not figured out this team yet. So, Ben, what do you want to see from Missouri this weekend to have any better feel for this team, this program, and and where it's going? Well, you really set it up well, Dave. That's a really (laughs) thrilling and uh, exciting intro to this game. I think folks who are listening are – have shifted to the edge of their seats. You know, it's, it's always good when the league is putting on another game in a marquee time slot during your game. Like that, that really makes you feel like you, you got the right folks paying attention when the league is actively trying to hide the game between you and your opponent. And that is kind of where both Vanderbilt and Missouri are. South Carolina kind of in the same spot where, you know, the SEC chant is loud and strong, but, uh, Missouri, Vanderbilt, and South Carolina are kind of in the parentheses um, after that, right? Yeah, SEC, SEC, but not so much Missouri, Vanderbilt, and South Carolina at this moment. Now, there still is uh, certainly plenty to play for. You don't want to be the bottom team in your division, and that's kind of what these games sort out. So I'm higher maybe on Clark Lee, the new Vanderbilt coach, than some, and I know we've got a guest coming on today who's going to – you know, who's going to shed some light on what's going on at Vanderbilt. He's kind of outside the box. He is willing to try some new things. And I think you do have to be willing to shake things up a little bit to try to eventually have the kind of success at Vanderbilt that a guy like James Franklin was having before uh, both uh, Penn State interest and scandal there for, for Franklin and Nashville led to him taking off. But they haven't really had a whiff of that since he left. Can they get back there? Maybe Clark Lee's the guy. It won't be this season. Um for me, it's it's about Missouri. I don't. I would never feel comfortable betting on this team, both to win anymore um, or to cover a spread, because we we don't know enough. We, we we know enough to not trust the defense. I guess I should yeah. say it that way. I am curious, you know, how much better Connor Bazelak can look after some time to rest a little bit and work on some of the things that he felt like were bothering him, both on the field, but also I think physically he was dinged up more than maybe we've been led to believe at times. Um, but the big one for me is like, this will be a good kind of test for Steve Wilkes. He's had a week off. He had the bye week to try to get the best he can out of this defense to try to patch the holes. And the defense is not going to be perfect, but if you can't look better coming out of a bye week against a team, that's not supposed to be very good. Then again, that will be yet another concern for Steve Wilkes. And, you know, Vanderbilt is two and six, but their two wins were two points over UConn and three over Colorado State. Um, they did almost beat South Carolina, but they've got beat by Florida 42 to zero. Um, they got thumped by Georgia 62 to zero. This is not a, a team that should be able to put up a ton of points 
on the Tigers. But if the defense looks like the one that we've seen at times, then they very well could. So that's kind of what I want to see. How does, how does Connor play? How does the defense look against an offense that should be able to, to look solid enough against? Yeah, we're, we're going to visit with Aria Gerson. She covers Vanderbilt for the Tennessean in Nashville, her first year on the beat. So she's new. Clark Lee is new. A lot of new stuff going on at, at Vanderbilt. She'll uh, shed a little light on the doors and, and how things are going down there. It's not great. Uh, you know, this year, obviously, all every game, every year counts, but they're not really looking for the results this year. It's more about, you know, building something. Uh, and it's, as we know, it's really hard to build there. James Franklin did it. The more years go on, the more he sort of becomes the exception to the rule. I mean, everybody before him failed for the most part. Derek Mason, they thought getting a guy from Stanford, he could figure it out because Vanderbilt has similarities as a private school, as a, as a high academic school. Um, and obviously he, he didn't get that job done. I think what's interesting about Lee, and, and we'll, we'll save the Vandy talk for, for, with Aria, but he's a Vanderbilt guy. He knows what it takes. He played there. He grew up in Nashville. So I think that's what they're really hoping for. And, but also, you know, he's worked at two private schools that are good academic schools that have figured out football, Notre Dame being one, and then Wake Forest too before that. And obviously, you know, Wake is off to this great season this year. Um, it's been a while since he was there, but he's he's seen it done at a place that is smaller, doesn't have the enrollment, doesn't have the same kind of revenue, doesn't have the same kind of stadium, but is able to figure out to how to win games in a power conference. So we'll, we'll see if he can get it done. But their offense is just putrid. I mean, it really is. I mean, it, against Mississippi State last week, five first downs, nine rushing yards, one of 11 on third down. I mean, the only thing memorable about that game was Leach's post-game interview about the right. candy corn. About the candy corn, yeah. Um, if if uh, Steve Wilkes' defense struggles this week, then I don't know what there else there is to say at this point. I mean, you know, Chad Bailey, linebacker from Missouri, was asked the other day, what does he expect from Vanderbilt? And he said, they're going to just try to run right at us like everyone does. <laughs> Truer words have not been said this year, so – uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I want to talk a little bit more about Missouri and what they could have gotten done during the bye week. You ask anybody this week and they gave us the same answers. And I, I'm convinced, I'm convinced that the, like the football coaches convention every year, they, they like have a meeting and they say, okay, when you're in a bye week or you're struggling, tell the media that all you worked on was fundamentals and technique. Like they just spew that out, not just in college, it's every level fundamentals and technique. Like, I guess they don't practice those things normally, you know, during normal weeks. That's not about. I don't know. We don't have a lot, a, a staggering body of evidence that suggests this defense <laughs> practice tackling at any point. Okay. So maybe right. it was good. Maybe it was good in this case. Right. So there is some truth to it. I'm sure. I mean, they got to get, they get back to the basics. They, they work on the things that you work on in camp and spring football, uh, which, which is good, but you know, there's, there's other things they really need to focus on. And, and Eli Drinkwitz to his credit, said this was the focus turnovers for one and it's not it's not fumbles you know they're not talking to the running backs about holding on to the ball it's it's all about Connor and Connor Basilek and throwing these interceptions um penalties you know just way too many of them and a lot of them have been on the offensive side and then the slow starts and the first two contribute to the third but um uh, put them all together and that's why this team is sitting there at 0 and 3 in the SEC all three SEC games they just got off to really bad starts and we're digging themselves out of a hole and didn't do much digging against A&M or Tennessee. They did it to Kentucky, but that game seems like a, 
a long time ago. So I'll be interested to see just how Basilek handles things. I, I asked him this week and I'll write about it for, for uh, Saturday's paper, just like mechanically, what did you work on? What did you look at watching film of the first half of the season? And he made a pretty interesting point. He said, I'm just not stepping up in the pocket enough when the pressure comes. And, you know, we know he's not a super mobile guy. Like he's, he's not always going to mistake him for, you know, Matt Corral or, or you know, a, a good running quarterback like that. Um, so that's been a problem. It's, it's, it's forced him into making some rushed passes and making some bad decisions. I think it's kind of similar. If you watch some of these highlights or lowlights of what Patrick Mahomes is going through right now, and I'm not comparing the two, but just, they're both making, you know, uncharacteristic decisions with the ball. And a lot of it is just how they're handling uh, traffic in the pocket. So I, I think that's something to watch for with, with Connor on Saturday, especially on third down. I mean, Vanderbilt, they, they do, and Drinkwitz has said this a lot. They, they bring pressure from all over the place on third down. Um, that's kind of, it's kind of a junk defense. You know, they're not, they're not really good at stopping you very much, but they will, they'll get crazy on third down and, and, you know, make you sweat a little bit. So we'll see if, if there's anything to that, the penalties case cook, who's out for the season and maybe for his career, he, he made a good point. He's like, it's, it's not that they're not focused. He thinks they're a little too jacked up when they come out sometimes. And that leads to, um, you know, these, these kind of pre-snap penalties that we've seen a lot of the holding calls. I mean, they've gotten flagged for a lot of holding calls and it's not just the same guys. It's a bunch of guys. So I, that goes back to, fundamentals and technique i mean you got you you got to watch where your hands are because once you earn that reputation the referees start watching for it because they know hey that tackle gets called for holding all the time and i keep my eye, eye on him so we'll see um they've got uh, obviously a lot to clean up and if there's an opponent that you can afford to you know work on your issues it's it's vanderbilt because you don't expect them to score many points and um but we'll see crazier things have happened it's funny you made the comparison there between between the Chiefs and the and the Tigers because it's one Eli kind of joked about um, earlier, but I do think there's some similarities there. And again, not comparing Bayslake to Mahomes, but guys who usually make pretty good decisions yeah. are having years where they're really making some decisions with the football that are un, I would describe as uncharacteristic. Yeah. And I do wonder how much the other similarity is in play there. Both are playing on the opposite side of a defense, you know, their team's defense that is just hemorrhaging massive gains and touchdowns. And, 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 you know, they really, there's no margin of error for these offenses. And perhaps we're seeing two quarterbacks try to do too much in their own ways. Connor's yeah, yeah. biggest strength, Dave, has been for large part his decision-making up to this point. He has been a guy who's been kind of wise beyond his years in managing a game and, not making the bad decision. If there was one knock on Connor, it was maybe he didn't make the game winning play, or maybe he wasn't able to throw the 50 yard pass in the game. And now it's, but he was always going to make, he was never going to make a bad play. He was never going to make a play that really hurt the team, but we're seeing those kind of plays. And usually guys don't make massive changes one way or the other in their decision-making on the field. If a guy's a kind of a smart, you know, quarterback, he makes smart plays. If he's not, he's a gunslinger. And that's kind of his reputation. Those things don't change much usually over the course of a guy's college career, but they have to some degree changed a little bit for Connor. Now, some of it could be that he's banged up, you know, he's playing through some things, but some of it could also be that he's kind of lugging around this defense and feels like he has to do more or he has to not, he has to, to not give up a play. 
because, you know, that's if they need every every shot. So maybe that's why he's trying to force some of those passes a little bit more. Maybe it's him trying to do too much. I, I do wonder about that. You know, how much of the struggles of this Missouri offense are related to the fact that it's paired with the defense that it feels like it has to to overcompensate for. And that's just not how it works. You have to have a balance. You right. can't have an offense worrying about what the defense is going to do or not do when it's out there on the field. So I think a reset there, just do your job kind of mentality, if that was drilled into during the bye week, could could help him. Um, he needs to put this quarterback – I wouldn't even – it's not a quarterback controversy, but he needs to put the quarterback conversation to bed here. Yeah. Um, he needs yeah. to stop the talk about should they play Macon, should they play Cook. He needs to end that. And, and against an opponent here, that should be a good one for him to come out and do that again. So I think that's pretty important this week. What do you think of the injuries? Um, Missouri lost a couple players for the rest of the season during the bye week. The most notable, which is, of course, is Case Cook. And you hate that for him. I, I felt like he was really showing more of his personality this year, starting at SEC yeah. Media Days. He's such an important part of this team and has been around for a long time. Um, you know, one of the more experienced linemen and certainly more tradition in the program than a guy like Mike Maetti, who transferred in with a lot of experience. How does that affect them? Who takes the place? And how does this line hold up with a key loss like that? Yeah, you know, I, some of the questions this week posed to his teammates, you would have thought in case Cook was like a finalist for the Outland Trophy Award. And he's a, he's a good player. He's played a lot of football. Uh, he's a leader of this team. Uh, I think a guy they all rely on, you know, just to be that, that veteran. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know on the field how, what a huge loss is, especially considering this injury happened in week two against Kentucky, and he's been trying to play through right. it. Missed two games, yep. came back, basically playing with one arm. So I don't know how effective he really was. Um, that's not to say they're better without him. But if he's completely compromised, and it, it, the way Drinkwitz explained it, it got to the point where the medical staff shut him, shut him down and said, you can't play anymore. You know, this is it. Like, he, he wanted to – they wanted him to have surgery after week two, and he said, no, I want to I fight through this. And it got to the point where they're like, no, this is, you're done. So when you hear that, you think, okay, well, maybe just getting some, some healthy bodies in there. Um, you know, you, maybe there won't be any drop-off at least. So Connor Wood's going to get a shot. He's the – Transfer from uh, Montana State has has played a lot this year, and then uh, EJ Nandoma Ogar transfer from Oklahoma came here last came last year, sat out midseason when he transferred. He's a pretty promising young guy, so I I think you know you're going to get more years out of these guys. I think you look at the upside and say hey, you're going to get a younger guy in there. Now he's going to get some game experience. Um, I, I, this can be a positive. You know I don't I don't I don't this isn't Missouri's defense losing pig brown <laughs> the year that they uh you know won 12 games Shout out to pig brown that's right um yeah but we'll, we'll see you know the other injuries chris turner a tough break for him he's a guy at defensive end he is a gary pinkle would call him a, a a soldier in the program one of those guys that just does everything right not a superstar player he has played he's made more starts at missouri than any player on this team uh and he hasn't been a starter this year, so that means he's played a ton of snaps, uh, averaging about 30 snaps a game this year at defensive end. Again, not an all-SEC player, but a good program guy, and he he got a knee injury, leg injury in that A&M game, and so he's, he's done for his career. He's one of those guys that came back for a super senior year, 
never a complainer. You know, his, his snaps went way down these last two years from what he was playing in 2019, but ultimate team guys. And you hate, you hate to see it for him that you, you don't want their careers, college careers to end on, on terms that, you know, they're not deciding on. So tough break for them. We'll see. I mean, this, the, their depth is going to be on display here. And that's another chance for a young guy to play. Um, Johnny Walker as a defensive end is going to get some looks. Arden Walker, true freshman, not related, at least not that I know of. Um, you know, Jatorian Hansford is going to get some more snaps. I, Isaiah McGuire is quietly, and Max Baker, our campus correspondent, writing about Isaiah this week. He's quietly having a, a decent year at defensive end. You wouldn't think anybody on this defense, especially his defensive line, is having a great year. But he's been uh, pretty active, pretty productive. So he'll continue to be out there as a starter. They need to get the other defensive end, uh, Trajan Jeffcoat, you know, playing consistently well every week too. So there's still five games left. We'll see what this defense can do. Um, you know, I don't, I don't expect any more staff changes this year. We'll see what, what the offseason delivers. So I, I think the rest of the season – Yep, the rest right. of the season is about determining if Wilkes is back on the defensive yep. front. Yeah, I think I think I think Drinkwitz would be wise to want to see a clear improvement over the course of the season. If you get that, then you can enter the offseason saying that was bad, it got better. Let's get some better recruiting going. And this is this guy can be the guy. We can have some consistency if there's not an improvement or if there's somehow, you know, somehow things get worse. It's hard to believe yeah. they could. Then, then you have to you have to make a change, and I don't think any coach wants to change defensive coordinators three times in, in three years. But but you have to do that if if this defense doesn't have a positive trend line over the course of these next five games. Um, Missouri has a chance here, Dave, to to kind of sweeten the situation up a little bit. You got Vanderbilt left. You're not going to be Georgia, but you get the game against South Carolina, the other team trying to not be on this division bottom. Florida is unpredictable, and you know they they can be great. They can be they can be really not unimpressive and you just don't know how that team's going to be, you know, motivated late in the season. And then Arkansas has had a bit of a reality check too. So, you know, it might not be as bad for the Tigers as it looks like it could be. Um, it's on them to try to, you know, get past the reality check they've had and turn their second half of their season into a reality check for, for some of these other teams that were cruising high when the Tigers were taking their lumps earlier in the season. Yeah, for sure. At the same time, new staff at Vandy, new staff at South Carolina. They're trying to build something. They're looking for any shred of momentum. When they look at their schedule and they say, "What's the, where's the game we can win? This Missouri team's struggling. I can go. Looking good. <laughs> Maybe win this one, especially Vandy being at home. South Carolina's Despera got to go on the road. Desperation factor, in effect. Yeah, so, um, you know, Vandy's last SEC win, October 19th, 2019. I was there. Missouri was on a five-game winning streak. Barry Odom had it figured out. Kelly Bryant had it figured out. They had lost that opening game at Wyoming, but they had beaten South Carolina. Uh, they beat Ole Miss. I think they beat Troy. They were feeling pretty good about the direction of the team and the season, the program. Then they go to Nashville, and it was a disaster. I mean, it, they lose by seven, um, but still – just a bad, bad loss. I think they were favored by 14. And guess what happened? They didn't win again until the final game of the year. And at that point, Barry Odom had essentially already been fired because he was fired right after the game or the next morning at Arkansas. So stranger things have happened. Well, uh, Vanderbilt will be up for this game with the, with the new coach, I think. And, and we'll see if they, uh, what they can do. 
Yeah, we'll see if uh, Missouri can avoid a Halloween nightmare in, uh, in Nashville, and, and we'll find out here a little bit more about those Commodores and their direction under their, their new coach. Hey, one thing I want to, I want to point out, um, I want to, Vonda Cordes, I think longtime Mizzou fans know who Vonda is, Miss V. She works in the uh, football office. She's been like special assistant to the head coach for a long time, and she's been battling some illness. Uh, she, she had some uh, surgery. She getting back in the office, I think next week, I had a chance to visit with her the other night. And uh, she means so much to the Mizzou program. I just want to give a little shout out to her. It's great to see her. Um, she got the game ball after the North Texas. Oh, yeah, that's she awesome. Was, she was having surgery the next day. Yeah. Um, she uh, dealing dealing with cancer. Um, but she's very hopeful about how it's going. You know, she has been around. She's been the, the lead kind of office assistant for the last four Missouri uh, football coaches. And before that, she was Norm Stewart's, uh, you know, personal office <laughs> assistant. She was she was Quinn Snyder's uh, personal office assistant for three weeks, and then she jumped over to football. Uh, maybe a little less drama. Hard transition. <laughs> she went from Quinn Snyder to Larry Smith, uh, but then she was there, you know, every year, every day for Gary Pinkle, Barry Odom, and and now for Eli. So I just want to give her a little shout out. Hope she's feeling better. Uh, she's got a, she's got another couple more doctor appointments coming up, but she means a lot to this team. She's one of those rare people that's been around for a long time. There's so many new faces uh, at Mizzou, but but. Vonda's kind of like the matriarch of, uh, of Mizzou football. So great to see her and, and hope she's doing well. You're doing something right if you uh, span coaches in this, in this business because uh, oftentimes those positions change when coaches come and go. But people who are good to folks and, and have a great reputation, they, they can stick around and weather those, uh, weather those seasons. So well said, Dave. Thanks for, for bringing that up. And uh, now let's dive into the Commodores here on the Eye and the Tigers podcast. We are joined now by Aria Gerson. She covers Vanderbilt for the Tennessee and the Nashville, her first year on the beat. So uh, it, it seems weird for someone from Missouri to welcome somebody to the SEC, but I, I guess that's, uh, that's the reality here. Aria, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and just your initial impressions of covering SEC football, SEC sports in general, and, and uh, just your thoughts on, on Nashville. Yeah, um, so I'm Aria Gerson. I, uh, I'm from Michigan. Before that, I actually lived in Utah, so I've kind of lived all over the country. I went to University of Michigan. Um, and, you know, now I cover Vanderbilt at the Tennessean. Um, it's been really fun to be in the SEC. You know, I previously covered Big Ten football, um, which was a lot of fun. But, you know, something I love about college football is just all the different environments and all the different atmospheres. Uh, and there's so many good ones in the SEC too. Um, and, you know, I got to give a shout out to SEC baseball as well, because that's the sure. sport that I grew up with. I grew up with minor league baseball. And so, you know, college baseball it is some, kind of a similar type of vibe, you know, top prospects, things like that. So that's been really fun to do as well. well. Well, tell us about this Vanderbilt team, two and six under first year coaching staff of, of Clark Lee. Things have, have not gone great. Obviously, I don't think anyone expected this to be a, a great first year for, for Lee and that staff. The offense has is, is really struggled. This is, uh, we'll get to the matchup later with Missouri, but just even looking at the, the box score of Saturday's game against Mississippi State, just five first downs for Vanderbilt, just nine rushing yards. I think they converted one third down. Um, it's, it's been a struggle. So tell me, 
what what have you learned about this Vanderbilt team in, in this year? I guess they're, they're already two and six, so they've they played a lot of football at this point. Yeah, I mean, this is what I tell everybody is that, you know, they're not very good, which I think is pretty obvious to anybody who looks at their record, but... You know, they do have two wins and two wins is more wins than they had last year, which was zero. <laughs> right. um, and so, you know, when you, you come off a year now, like, yes, it was an SEC only season. But when you come off a year in which you did not win a single game, like it's pretty hard to really have any level of success. Um unless you get really lucky in my opinion. And so I don't think that this was, I mean, maybe the way that it happened has had some surprises, but the overall quality of the team, I don't think is, is too much of a surprise. It's just the talent level is not where it needs to be to compete in the SEC. Um, as you pointed out, the offense has been extremely inconsistent. They've used two different quarterbacks because one of the quarterbacks got injured. And both of them are completely different in terms of their strengths, but they both are kind of cause inconsistencies in different ways. Um, the defense, you know, in terms of, of things like statistically is not great, but I think the defense has improved over the season, um, it's looked better since SEC play started, um, especially against South Carolina. I thought the defense looked way better, um, but it's still a, a matter of, you know, Clark Lee can, can kind of scheme them up, but they don't have the same kind of speed that other SEC teams have. Um, they give up a lot of big plays because they just can't always keep up with you know, SEC receivers, SEC running backs, and no amount of scheme can really fix that. So that's the biggest issue, you know, with, with Vanderbilt this year, and it, it was never going to be something that could be fixed particularly quickly. And I think that we need to see, you know, how Clark Lee does with recruiting, not just, I mean, obviously, you know, I don't think that anybody would be able to, you know, come in and start get, bringing in five stars, but in terms of finding good players who fit the program, fit the scheme, and that, you know, convince them to come to Vanderbilt. Like, that's what they really need to do to do anything for the future. And, you know, I do think that Missouri is probably the most winnable game left on Vanderbilt's schedule because the November schedule is really tough. Yeah. And so if they want to get an SEC win, I think this is the game. Sure, sure. Tell us a little bit about Clark Lee. You know, he's a first-year coach. I think he's 38. He's a few months older than, than Missouri's Eli Drinkwitz, but, um, you know, roughly kind of the same part of their career just trajectory. He was a, an assistant at, at Wake Forest, got connected with Mike Elko, uh, went to Notre Dame, was obviously the coordinator there. Elko now the coordinator at Texas A&M. So Missouri just played a Mike Elko defense in their last game. I, I don't know how similar schematically, structurally they'll be, but – uh, really interesting background as a guy who played college baseball until he uh, transfers to Vanderbilt and, and joins a football team. But um, what what can you tell us about who this guy is and maybe make a case for why he is the guy to turn this program around if 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 indeed someone will? 
Right. So I think the first place to start is Clark Lee. He's from Nashville. He, you know, played at Vanderbilt. He knows Vanderbilt. Uh, he knows the history of this program. And he knows like the area really well. I think that he's trying to, you know, at Vanderbilt, there's always this kind of argument of like, kind of, should we be like Stanford kind of a thing? Cause Stanford uh -huh. recruits, you know, Vanderbilt played Stanford earlier in the season. Stanford like recruits kind of nationally. And I don't think Clark Lee is trying to do that. He is trying to recruit the South. He's trying to get kids from Tennessee to stay in state. He's trying to find kids from like Atlanta, Birmingham, just places that, that are nearby. And I think that that, again, like it's hard to really know without even him having brought in a single recruiting class yet. But um, I think that that could work well for him just in the sense of, you know, he knows the area. He's really familiar with the area. He loves Nashville. And presumably that means he could sell people on it. And I think that, you know, Kentucky does something similar with recruiting Ohio and recruiting nearby states for kids that, you know, Ohio State or whoever doesn't want. And so I think that's sort of his strategy with, with that. Um, you know, he's very adamant though that this team is is not its history he kind of is is very much preaching an idea of like starting over and wiping a blank slate and and all that kind of stuff you know he calls the team team one which you know he's basically saying like let's throw the Derek Mason era in the trash and start over <laughs> is basically what he's doing um I think that he you know, he's got good attention to detail. And um, I definitely see how he could be a good fit. It's hard to say, you know, whether it'll work out because again, like Vanderbilt is an extremely difficult job. And there's been very few coaches that have ever successfully like done anything here. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I think that it was a good idea that the hire just in terms of somebody who is super familiar with what Vanderbilt is. Um, and, you know, as far as you know, he is a, a defensive coach and I think the biggest thing that, that they've been doing this year, uh, you know, the first couple of games, I felt like the Vanderbilt defense didn't really have an identity. They just gave up a lot of big plays, but since SEC play has started, um, they've really become kind of a havoc team. Mm -hmm. They've kind of survived on things like getting pressure on the quarterback, getting sacks, getting interceptions, getting fumbles, turnovers, um, all that kind of stuff. And I, I think that on some level, that's Clarkly just saying like, you know, we don't have the talent to stick with SEC team that we're going to do this is by like blitzing and trying to get turnovers and, you know, trying to get the ball back because that's really the one thing that they can do well. Yeah. And, you know, they have done it well in the past couple of games against Florida, um, against South Carolina, they did it really well. Even against Mississippi State, you know, the few times that they did get stops, it was because of turnovers. Yeah. Um, they got two interceptions. 
a couple sacks. So, you know, that, that has on some level been working. Now they still give up big plays, but the question is, can you generate enough turnovers and sacks and whatever to make the big plays not matter as much? And, um, and I think that also this team has become very disciplined. They don't commit that many penalties. Um, they did early in the season, but since the, like the fourth game, like against Georgia, I think they only committed four penalties, even in the road games against Florida and South Carolina, I think they committed three penalties. So really, they really keep the penalties to a minimum. Um, and so I think that's the biggest strength of this team is, is just the discipline. And then the defense kind of trying to generate that havoc. And I think that's kind of Clarkly trying to figure out what works with this group and, you know, what, what they can do and try to emphasize that instead of what they can't do. Sure. Sure. Offensively, do they have any sort of identity? I know when you have quarterback injuries and you're playing different guys there, it's, it's been a struggle. Um, Ideally, what would they like to look like on that side of the ball? Yes. So they've had a lot of injuries because it's not just the quarterback, but they're starting running back got injured against Stanford and he's out for the season. And so the run game has been basically non-existent since then. Um, I think they're trying to be kind of like, you know, RPO focus, like Mm -hmm. a medium range passing game type. They they're kind of been more pass heavy because the past couple games, because the run game just is, not good Um, the pass game isn't great either but it's better than the run game because they do have some really talented receivers they have actually like four to five pass catchers who are really talented and really good that are probably like among the best players on the team and so I think they're trying to lean on that in more recent games which you know they might as well now the quarterback situation is uh, so the, the original quarterback, Ken Seals, the one who got injured, he was more of a pocket passer, uh, not a lot of running involved in his game. Um, the new guy, Mike Wright, who took over once Ken Seals got injured, is a running quarterback. He's a dual threat. And he is better at making big plays, like 50-yard passes, that kind of thing. Um, than Ken Seals was. He's also not very efficient. Ken Seals is more efficient. Um, so, and Mike Wright, like, adds something to the running game that they didn't have, but that's still not saying much because the running game is just basically, yeah, the running game isn't good. <laughs> so, um, it's just difficult to say, like, what exactly it is, you know, just given how many injuries there have been, there's been a few injuries on the offensive line and to tight ends as well. And so it's like, there's just been a lot of injuries, but I think that, you know, especially now given the injuries that they have had, I think they're going to try to, to lean on the passing game and then try to see if Mike Wright does start, um, which, you know, we don't have official word on. I sort of think that he will because if you go into the bye week, that gives Ken Seals an extra week to recover from his injury, but we don't know for sure. 
if Mike Wright does start, I think it'll try to be like, you know, trying to see what he can bring to the running game and then trying to go with that downfield passing that is one of his strengths because that's kind of what they did against Mississippi State. It didn't really work, but, you know, you might as well try it. Sure, sure. Well, if there's a week where their running game might look decent, it might be against Missouri. It's struggled all season long <laughs> against the run, although they are coming off a of bye week, so maybe they, they figured something out. Uh, and, you know, I, I know Missouri came out as a 17-point uh, favorite, 16, 17-point favorite, but I still remember two years ago, uh, Missouri went into Nashville and could not even function offensively in that game. And I, I think that's still Vanderbilt's last SEC win, maybe even their last power five win. So uh, you, you never, you never know. But if, if you had to script a Vanderbilt upset Saturday, how, what's the most likely way that it would, that it would happen? Yeah. So I think the easiest way to, Script and upset, you know, it's very similar to what happened in South Carolina, except without the game winning drive from South Carolina in the last minute. It's, first of all, turnovers, turnovers, and turnovers. Um, whether that's fumbles, interceptions, whatever, just generating turnovers so that the offense gets more chances to be on the field. Because again, I said, the offense isn't particularly efficient, but they can make a big play or two at times. And so if you give them more chances to make that play, they might make it. Um, so just just giving the defense, giving extra chances to the offense through turnovers. Um, and then uh, just, you know, remaining disciplined, not giving away penalties, hoping that Mizzou does commit a lot of penalties because that also happened in South Carolina. I think South yeah. Carolina had 10 penalties and Vanderbilt had three. So <laughs> that was a big difference when it came to yardage and, um, you know, field position and things like that. And then again, just kind of the defense being bend, but not break, which they've kind of been all season. They've had a lot of things like fourth down red zone stops, which on one hand, you know, the other team is constantly getting into the red zone, but then they decide to go for it on fourth down because Vanderbilt's defense isn't very good and Vanderbilt stops them on fourth down. If they do stuff like that, then, you know, again, that's taking away another scoring chance for Mizzou and keeping the score low because Vanderbilt cannot score with some of these teams. Yeah. Um, but if they keep it to be a low scoring game, like they did against South Carolina, that is how they can win. Um, if they limit the opportunities, if they try to have the ball for as much as possible, because again, against Mississippi state, I think that they ran less than half as many plays as Mississippi state did. Like they just didn't have the ball at all ever. And so you gotta, it's like limiting possession for the other team turnovers, avoiding penalties, avoiding special teams issues that have been kind of a problem for Vanderbilt. Um, and then just kind of running clock and uh, hoping to make a couple big plays to score on. I think that's kind of the recipe if they were to win. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see if they can get it done. Um, Aria, one last question for you. Kind of big picture on Vanderbilt Athletics. You know, Candace Story Lee has been AD there for a few years now, and I know they've had a really major fundraising campaign and a lot of talk about facilities. Where Where is Vanderbilt Athletics right now? you got a new football coach in Clark Lee. Jerry Stackhouse has um, been an interesting hire, hasn't really produced the results yet, but 
you know, has, has brought in some, some interesting players and they've been close. It seems like a, a lot of games, but where, where is, and obviously baseball is baseball, but where, where is this athletics department right now and kind of vision that, that um, they have going forward? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that Candace Lee herself is, is optimistic just in terms of the fundraising is going well and they're trying to upgrade facilities um, for both football and basketball. And then I think they're also doing it for some of the non-revenue sports as well. Um, you know, I, I know also that Jerry Sackhouse is pretty optimistic about this season. They brought in a lot of transfers and, you know, Scotty Pippen Jr. is coming back. And so they, again, like, I don't know how the season's going to go. Like I, I think that it's an extremely high variance team, the basketball team. Mm -hmm. um, but there is at least some optimism within the athletic department that there might be more success coming in sports that are not baseball or tennis or bowling. But, you know, it is going to take some time. Um, and I think that everybody in the athletic department is pretty aware of that fact. And so, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's hard to say because, you know, you, you have one bad season at a place like that, that could completely take things off the rails. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, after some of the la more recent athletic department hires and things like that were complete disasters. These at least don't seem like that, at least not at the moment. You know, there's mixed feelings among the fan base of Candace Lee and of the administration. Um, and, you know, the way that Derek Mason's firing was handled and, and things like that, that, um, you know, Candace Lee just took over the job, like basically right like in, I think she's officially hired in May, 2020. So that was a really strange time to be right, becoming right. an athletic director. But uh, I just really think that it's kind of like my grade on all of them is kind of like an incomplete. I need to see more, you know, in the future of, of what's coming. But, the, you know, Candace Lee is an alum herself. She was an athlete at Vanderbilt. So she at least knows you know, from that perspective of what kind of challenges they're facing. And I think that, you know, I like that strategy of hiring people with ties to Vanderbilt because I do think that it's kind of a unique situation. Sure, sure. Well, this game Saturday might not break any TV ratings, <laughs> but it, it is important for both teams. I mean, they're both sitting there winless in conference play. And if you're, if you're Missouri, you're looking at the schedule and saying, okay, well, this is one we should win. If you're Vanderbilt and you're looking at the schedule, like you said, okay, if we're going to win one game, it, it should be this one because Missouri's struggling a little bit and, and they've done it before. I don't know how many players on both rosters, I haven't done the math, were on the field in 2019, but, um, you know, that was that was a – you felt at the time maybe this is a big win for Derek Mason. It didn't really turn out to be because it was his last one in an SEC game, but it, it was kind of the beginning of the end for, uh, for Barry Odom and his regime at Missouri, so <laughs> – We've seen uh, crazier things have happened in this series. So looking forward to it Saturday. Really appreciate your insight on Vandy. And uh, it should be, I don't, I, again, not sure how many people will be watching this one, but it's, it's important for both programs, there's no doubt. For sure, for sure. 
right, folks. Well, that'll do it for this week's podcast. We want to remind our listeners you can find the podcast at stltoday.com slash podcast or subscribe at Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If so, please leave us a comment. We always enjoy your feedback. For Ben Fredrickson and this week's guest, Aria Gerson from the Tennessee, and I'm Dave Matter. We will talk to you next week.